Evening, everybody. Good to see you all. How are you folks doing? Yeah? Isn't it crazy that it's already May? Right? Like, this year's just going by so quickly and so fast. But regardless of how fast this year is going, every week, we're so happy and excited to see every single one of you in the house uh, worshiping and honoring God together on a Sunday evening. And we've been in this series called Bless over the last few weeks. And I don't know about you, but it's been a very convicting series, you know, because we're talking about the teachings of Jesus Christ, right, on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And he tells the believers or even just people who are questioning who he was at the time, what it would mean to follow Jesus and what it would mean to have a relationship with God. I mean, it was, it's been a very, very real, raw, honest, genuine, authentic kind of series with a lot of real, raw, authentic, genuine, and honest conversations with many of us in small group and many of us just in our personal lives. So thank you for being part of the journey. And tonight we are continuing this series and what we're going to be focusing on tonight is a very simple but at the same time so profound, so foundational and also so powerful gift that we have as believers and as Christians and really just as everyday people who walk and live out life on this side of eternity and that's called prayer. Everyone say prayer. I'm going to be talking about prayer and there's a lot of things that we can kind of like, you know, like consider when it comes to prayer. Like is it a you know, like a really spiritual thing? Is it a very natural thing? Is it a very relational thing? Is, is it a very this, very that? And the reality is prayer is many, many things. And for just kind of a foundational thing for all of us, what prayer is, is simply having a conversation with God that develops relationship, that develops intimacy, that allows us to know how much God loves us and for also us to be able to express how much we love him and really just talk about everything that we're experiencing and going through, liking it to a friendship, liking it to a relationship, liking it to just someone that you trust and just love to be around. Like that is what prayer is. And maybe for another series, we'll get to talk more about like the context of prayer and the history of prayer and why it exists. But tonight, specifically, we're going to be talking about how to pray. And I know some of us are here like, didn't you just explain? It's just like talking to Jesus. And yes, it is talking to Jesus. But again, there is a very specific way that Jesus teaches us to pray, teach, uh, taught in the, in the Bible and how we're supposed to live out today in our everyday life. And again, this might not seem like one of the more profound topics or like just awe-inspiring kind of things, but I truly believe coming at the end of this uh, message, every one of us here, especially myself, will have a much more deeper understanding of prayer and the power of prayer as well. And I want to start this with a very interesting thought for all of us. You know, Jesus did a lot of his a lot of things while he was alive. He performed miracles, signs and wonders. He loved people that the world had deemed unlovable, that outcasted these people like Jesus chose to love them. He also uh, re, really rededicated his life or dedicated his life to changing how people viewed others, like breaking barriers of race and ethnicity and all of these boundaries that people had. Like Jesus broke a lot of those things through love. And people were observing Jesus out throughout life. And you could imagine the disciples who were following at that time, following Jesus, might have had a lot of questions about what it could be like to be like Jesus and what he could teach them. But here's something really profound. In the Bible, there is only one thing that the disciples actually asked Jesus to teach them. And it wasn't any of the things that I had mentioned earlier. They had witnessed and seen Jesus perform miracle signs and wonders and do three years of ministry. But the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was on prayer. And that's very interesting. And I was, I was preparing for uh, tonight's message. I found that to be one of just these, like, nuances or, like, information from this whole topic of prayer that really struck a chord to me. Like, the disciples, the only thing they asked Jesus to teach them was prayer. And I wondered why. 
I pondered why. And the only thing that made sense to me, and I think it should make sense to all of us, is they saw a connection between Jesus' time praying to his Father, praying to God, leaving the masses of people that he was around, and just being with his Father. They saw some kind of connection in those moments that led to all of the amazing things that Jesus did throughout his ministry here on earth. They found a connection that everything Jesus did was through this gift of prayer. And if it was the one thing that the disciples wanted Jesus to teach them, it should be something that all of us would want to learn about as well. And Jesus teaches on how to pray. Matthew 6, 16 to 15, this will be up on screen. This is the opening text and really the main text that we're going to be looking at tonight. I pray that it would speak to every single one of us. And it goes like this. Again, this is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Matthew 6, 6 to 15. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. And many of us know these next few verses as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus continues, For if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others in their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. God, we pray that your word would speak profoundly, intimately, and uniquely to every single one of us here this evening. Lord, we know that this topic of prayer is something that we hear and witness and see in church settings left and right and all the time, but there is a deep, significant, important, and paramount reason why you taught the disciples what prayer was like, what it is, and what it could lead to. You were teaching something so important to the church. So I pray that the word tonight would speak in such ways that it would elevate the way that we pray. It would elevate how we pray, and it would elevate who we pray for. These are all things that we can learn from the life of Jesus. And just like the disciples who made that connection, there was something about what Jesus did when he was with his father that led to all of the amazing things that Jesus accomplished on this side of eternity. Lord, may we rise up to that for ourselves and expect, Lord, a life of prayer intimately entwined with you every single day would lead us to the exact same things. God, let your word come alive, and may we respond with our lives. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Here's your three points before we break down Matthew 6. Number one, there is a posture to prayer. Everyone say posture. Number two, there is a pattern to prayer. And lastly, number three, there is a promise to prayer. Say promise. Back to point number one, there is a posture to prayer. And here's some subcontext for us before we get back into verses six to eight. Before we pray, we must quiet the noise of the world and our soul, verses six to eight. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. 
For your father knows what you need before you ask them. I think it's so interesting that before we hear the pattern of prayer, Jesus teaches on the posture of prayer. And he actually gives context on how we can actually enter into such a holy, sacred, and powerful moment. He's giving us insight on what he does. This is things that Jesus did. And now he's asking us to do as well. He's asking us to go into a private and quiet place. He's asking us to not babble on and just pray on and on and on and on. Thinking that that's going to make us more holy or more this or more that before God. He is setting a standard for how we should enter into the presence of God. And the reason why it's important for every single one of us here today, including myself, is we live in a very busy, noisy, and distracted world. Like, that was important for Jesus to mention it back then when they didn't have Wi-Fi, cell phones, TV, streaming, this and that, everything, all the time. Jesus still had to tell them you needed to quiet yourself and go into a room, a place to be away from the distractions that they were experiencing at that time. So if it was important to them when they lived in an agricultural kind of society and world, how much more for us when we live in a world where we can't even go five to seven seconds before getting distracted, before thinking about something else, before playing out all of the things that we need to get done before the sun sets and we go to sleep. Just think about that. How long can we actually sit in a place of quiet, and surrender before we go into our pockets and take up our phone and look at all of the Instagram, Twitter, text, Gmail notifications that we've received. Like there's no such thing as boredom anymore in our day and age because every time we have even a second, we distract ourselves with things of this world. So Jesus, right in the very beginning, you guys want to know how to pray? Discipline yourself to find a quiet place so that you can move forward into my presence, further into my spirit, further into my love. May that convict us this evening because we start so many important moments of our day with everything else except Jesus. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But again, that comes to us from verse 6 of our passage. Go to a room and shut the door and pray to your father in secret. And remember, this is what Jesus did. Like, I would think Jesus was more of an introvert than an extrovert. I know some of us would say he's probably an amnivert because he like preached in front of a lot of people and connected with a lot of people. But to me, Jesus was an introvert because after all of the things that he did, what does the text tell us? Jesus went to the mountains. He went away. He hid from the people so that he could be with his father, away from the distractions, away from the world, away from the needs of the world that he was called to save and love. He went away. And I think for many of us, we have to even just start today with even asking ourselves, do we have that formation in us, that discipline in us to get away from the noise of our world so that we can enter into the presence of God? Just think about that for a little bit. And the next thing that he says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. There's kind of like this thing that Jesus is addressing. He's talking about the Gentiles, but you can also see it in the Pharisees. Like there was like these subcultures at that time that thought in order for them to be loved and seen and heard and accepted by God, they needed to come off religious and holy. 
They needed to do all of the things that religious people did. They needed to pray long prayers. They needed to be really loud. They needed to do things in public before people to show the world that they were holy and they had a relationship with God. And then Jesus comes in and he's like, you don't need any of that. Like there might be a time and place for that. If I'm going to call you to pray for someone or pray for people or just take a stand for your faith, yes, those moments might happen. But in many of our moments with Jesus, he's simply asking us to just be with him. We don't need to babble with God because he knows exactly what we need already. Sometimes we think how long we pray or how loud we pray or even how soft we pray dictates how close we are to God. But if God already knows what we need before we ask, then the only explanation for that is God doesn't want our religion. He wants our relationship. He wants our time. He wants our eyes and our ears. He wants our soul to come alive when we're with him. Just think about the most important relationships in your life. Your spouse, your closest friends, your closest family members. You're not going to remember the amount of things you did with them. You're going to remember the memories that mattered with them. Those moments you cried together. Those moments you celebrated together. The moments you wrestled and fought with one another. Like those memories matter because those things prove deep and genuine and authentic relationships. So yes, like pray. Go before God. Talk story with him. Give him a call while you're on lunch break. Like do what you got to do. But no, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about how holy you sound or how good it sounds or how like... I don't know, like exper experiential, we can make those moments. At the end of the day, all God wants from us is that time, that relationship. He doesn't want our religion. He wants our relationship. And there's a key to why Jesus prays and gives this kind of example to us. We'll get that at the very end. But just think about those two things before we move on. Do we enter in quiet places to be with God? And if we even make it to that step, does he have our attention? Do we truly let him to see and know us? Or are we just trying to put up a facade of religion? May it convict us. Because it convicts me a lot. So three keys for us. This isn't going to be in your notes. But just I know a lot of us are like, okay, well, what does that look like then? Because you probably look at your phone a lot as well. You're looking at it right now. I know. Looking at my notes. But this is like not in the Bible, but these are just three great practices that I've developed over time. And I'll be very honest with you. Like I am currently learning the depth and breadth of prayer in the 18 years that I've been following Jesus. Just he's led me to this place. So I'm, I'm just telling you right now, like this word convicts me first, okay? Like I'm not preaching anything to you folks that I'm not personally experiencing and walking through myself. So when it came to this like message about talking about prayer, I'm like, oh my God, I have all of the experiences right now. Because I knew just something wasn't right in my walk with God. And the missing link or the missing thing was just this deep and intimate time of prayer, which I know God has been so gracious and patient with me. So he's going to be gracious and patient for all of us. And be gracious and patient for yourself as you try to get these disciplines and formations into your life. But here's three keys that have helped me develop this quiet place and quiet soul to just come before God. Number one, mornings seem to work best. What better way to start your day than with some time with Jesus? 
I know what we're all thinking because I've thought it myself. I don't have time in the morning to be with Jesus. There's so many things that I need to get done and so many things that I need to do. But here's the reality of a lot of my mornings before this kind of thing became a conviction. I used to spend a lot of time on my phone right after I get up, looking through Instagram, reading text messages, turning off my alarm. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, just a couple minutes. And the next thing I know, oh, my God, I've been on my phone 30 minutes, and it's only like 6.30. And I still need to get ready for the day. I still need to do this. I still need to do that. I got to brush my teeth. You know, like all of these things. And, like, you rush out of the, the house. And then at the start of your day, you're already stressed. You're already rushed. You're already hustled. Like, think about that. Mornings work best because you get to start your morning giving God your breath, your focus, your attention. And I understand that might not work for everybody because of seasons of having kids. I know what that looks like. I'm experiencing that personally. But for the most part, if you have that time in the morning to give God 5, 10, maybe even 15 minutes, do it. Mornings seem to work best. Another thing that I've learned Consider a routine that leads you into your time with God. I know that kind of sounds a little strange, but if you look at Jewish culture and like the history of like the Jews, like they had a lot of things, rituals that like acknowledge the fact that they were going to begin to step into the presence of God. Some things that they did was they would eat a great meal with their best of friends and family members. Other things that they did was they lit a candle to just begin that reverence and awe before God. Like history teaches us that as people entered into the presence of God, it came with certain things that kind of triggered that, that presence in your spirit to know like, oh, it's coming. You know, like when you're really, really hungry and you know for a fact that you're about to get your food while you're sitting, you're going to turn from hangry to just well-fed in a moment, right? When the waiter comes out with your food, like you're anticipating that moment. It's coming. My zip pack is coming. Let's go, Right? When you see that waiters are coming to you, you know you're about to eat. Same thing with God. There are certain things that I think God wants to reveal to all of us that will trigger just this expectation that I'm about to enter into the presence of God. Could be a candle. Could be some instrumental music. Could be a prayer. Could be a scripture. Consistency is key. Just ask God, what are those things that can lead you into the presence of God? And the last thing, consider more than once a day to pray with God. What kind of relationship, for those of us who are married or we have like a spouse or we just have great friends, like what kind of relationship would it be like if you only talk to your spouse once a day? Ooh, you know. Even more so, what if we only ate once a day? Like three meals a day? Why not open up more time with God throughout the day? It doesn't have to be long. It just needs to be present, consistent. We just need to try. Amen? I know for some of us, it's just like, man, I heard this. Wah, 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 prayer, message, okay. But I'm telling you, Jesus knew that there was significance to creating a quiet soul in a very, very distracted world. What are we doing in our day-to-day -to, -day to get there? What are we giving our minds, our spirit, our soul to from the moment we wake up to the moment we sleep? What are we giving it to? Jesus is giving us an example. Quiet your soul in this quiet world. Amen. Number two, 
There is a pattern to prayer. Prayer begins by remembering that God is holy and his will comes before ours. Verses 10 to 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There is a pattern to prayer and Jesus gives that pattern to every single one of us. And let's start with the word hollow. Everyone say hollow. Jesus is saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that word hallowed to many of us can just seem like another spiritual word that you hear at church and has no significance when you leave the building of the church that you attend. But it is a powerful word that Jesus is saying every time we start prayer, start with this. Hallowed be your name. And what the word hallowed like, translates to is simply this. Let your name be recognized as holy. I'm going to say it again. What hallowed is translated to is let your name be recognized as holy. And to me, that's powerful and beautiful at the same time because every time Jesus is saying enter into prayer and start your prayer with this posture, this pattern, that the God that you are talking about is holy. He is holy. He is good. We need to be reminded of that every single day. Prayer allows us to still ourselves enough to remember that our God is holy, that he's not just some genie in a bottle that we go with all our requests to because that was kind of my understanding of prayer. Prayer is a bunch of requests and things that we ask from God that we want answered and those things can be done. It comes in like the next verses. But to start prayer begins with giving God the glory that his name is holy. And in this moment, may your name be recognized as holy. Think about how unholy we are. Yet we have the opportunity to go before a holy God and all he wants and desires and craves of us is relationship. May your name be recognized as holy. Beyond anything else, right? And again, I said for myself, I used to think like prayer, like it's just requests, things that God can do, things that he can answer, stuff that he can bless us with, miracles that he can provide. Like I've prayed so many prayers where I jump first to those things and those aren't bad things. We can continue to pray those kinds of prayers. Prayers of healing, breakthrough, provision, yes, yes, and amen, but it can't start without first acknowledging that this God that we are searching and seeking answers to is holy. And then it later says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even before we talk about our needs, we are acknowledging that God is holy and that it's his will before our will. Like that's such a paradigm shift. Like we live in a day and age, right? Like, oh my God, three minutes of like, Heat up popcorn, like that's way too long. Like just one minute and then all your popcorn's not popped, right? And then you have to put it in anyway. Like we live in a culture where we want quick and fast and this and that and my request and my stuff and my friend request and my email being responded and my 15 minutes to get through 30 minutes of driving because I don't got any time to go any slower, right? Like we live in that kind of day and age. Quick, fast, accomplish more, task, things. Boom, 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 boom. 
When we go before God that, with that same kind of posture, God, can you just get done with all of these kinds of things in my life? I only got 15 minutes. I only got 15 days. God, you're working way too slow. I thought you heard me yesterday. I know I'm being a little facetious here, but man, like, Jesus never worked that way with us, so why should we work like that with him? Like, he was patient with us. He was gracious with us. He was merciful on us. Some of us, we took way too long to give God some time, and it's, it still mattered when we did. Like, oh my God, like, I'm just like, I know some of you guys are like, man, like, he's really loud and screaming. Like, I'm just really passionate right now. Because this word is coming alive in my life as we speak. Even before, like, I knew I was going to preach a message on this, like, I've known that I've treated this intimate, significant, genuine, and authentic moment with God as a checklist that I need to do in my day. And a way to escape from the problems in the world. And a way for me to just manifest this spirit of confirmation and confidence that God is working if I pray that he's going to do something. The crazy thing is he will. But so much of it was based off of what I wanted from God when he wants to give us stuff when we seek him in prayer. Like my relationship with my wife isn't what I can get from her. It's what I can give her because we love each other. Like I'm just saying like this is what prayer is. This is what prayer is. Hallowed be your name and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before anything, God, you can do for me. Before anything, God, I can speak for myself. I want to acknowledge in this quiet place, in the quiet of my soul, that you are good and holy. And my response to that should be your will before mine. And the crazy thing about his will being done is it's way better than our will anyway. Right? Like how many times do we think, like, I'm going to marry that person. I'm going to drive that car. I'm going to pursue that career. And then God kind of like flipped it upside down. And he's like, you, yeah, I know, praise God, yeah, Jerry. Yeah, you thought we knew. We thought we knew what was best for us. And then where did that leave us? Such an unholy, filthy place. And then God met us in that unholy and filthy place in our sin. And all he asks of us is to recognize that his name is holy. <sighs> all he's asking. And that's just two verses. So it's not a lot, even though it is. Just saying. But then I know this is what we're asking for next, right? Verses 10, or verse 10. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. In these few lines, these few verses, there are prayers of provision and there are prayers of protection. Provision, our daily bread. Provision, the opportunity and the willingness to forgive God our sins and those that have sinned against us. God, I need to forgive those that have sinned against us, against me. And lastly, protect us from the evil one. You know, like, I know we can kind of like, oh, he hammered like those first two verses very, very, very long. 
And I'm just going to kind of glance over these last few things because we know this about prayer. We know that God answers prayer. We know that he performs miracle signs and wonders. He, we know that he has the best things in store for us. We know that he wants to see our health, our marriages, our relationships, our world, our family, just the things that we're believing for and praying for come to pass. Like we've seen all of these things happen in our life and many lives around us. It's all there. It is 100% all there in the Lord's prayer. But I'm going to glance over this because we focus so much on that and we forget about the first few verses. But in this pattern, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. Forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. There is a distinct pattern that Jesus is giving and here's the crazy thing, and we'll save this for our last point as we bring this to a close tonight. This prayer is also how Jesus embodied himself here on earth. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> do it again because it woke some of you guys up. Like, I'm just saying. Like, I don't know why it was so funny to you guys, but amen, you know, like, whatever. Like, this prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples as an example of how to pray is also how Jesus lived on this side of eternity. So we'll get there. We'll recite that prayer one more time with this concept that this is how Jesus lived his life. But I just wanted to say that, yes, 100% and amen, I've asked God to do so many things out of his grace and mercy for a broken individual like myself that didn't deserve the love of God, and he's done it time and time again. I know he will for all of us. Don't stop praying for the things that you're believing for, for your provision, for your protection. Keep on doing it. But can we not put so much weight on the, just the request that we have in our prayer time? But can we follow the pattern of God spoken through his son Jesus that tells us that the pattern begins with him and his will? Amen. I remember this one time, some of you guys know this like story in my life where I've been like praying and believing for like my barber to come to know Jesus. I go like every two weeks, like I see it as an opportunity to reach him and get a good haircut for a pretty decently cost price, amen? So like it's all good. And I remember building really, he's cut my hair for five years, four and a half years, five years. I got tongue tied there for four to five years, okay? Four to five years he's been cutting my hair. And in year four, so this just happened a few months ago, he began to share the story of his father getting an aneurysm and then three weeks later after that, his father passing away. And I remember hearing these stories while I'm getting my hair cut and realizing like this is a moment for Matthew 6 to come alive right now. This is a moment right now for his will on earth to be not just seen in heaven or seen here on earth, but experienced here on earth. And I remember the day that his father passed away, or three days after his dad passed away was a day that I had a scheduled haircut. I was texting him, hey, I'm praying for your dad. I'm praying for provision. I'm praying for breakthrough. I'm praying for healing. And he sent like a really simple three-worded three text to me that his father had passed. And I knew going into that moment, getting a haircut on this day could be an opportunity to pray for God to be seen and recognized as holy, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And just a moment of humanity for someone who's hurting and broken before me. And I kid you not, like God set up this amazing moment where like it was just me, him, 
at 7.30 at this barber shop with his really sweet and old Korean boss. And I remember after he was crying and I was crying about his father's passing, I basically just said like, hey, I can't offer you anything more right now than to pray. Can we pray together? And the crazy, like nobody else was there except the three of us. And his boss, like she's a Christian, yeah, they play Christian music. So she's all like pretending to like type on the cash register. But I'm like, who are you typing for? Like, it's just me, you know? And then anyway, so like, I'm like, we're going to pray. And I remember just like clockwork, like she heard pray and then she left her station and she came to us and the most kindest but most forceful way, she just grabbed our hands and she's like firmly gripping us like till death do us part kind, right? And I remember praying, just praying and praying and praying and praying. And it probably wasn't even that long. It was probably like three minutes max. And when I left that place, one, in tears, but secondly, knowing something about heaven dropped in on earth in this place right now because of the power of prayer, because of the willingness to know that prayer is way beyond just our needs being met, but God's name being recognized as holy to me as a believer, but also to my friend that has yet to acknowledge that he needs Jesus in his life. And I am still praying for his salvation. Clearly, I still have been getting haircuts, okay? And until he comes to know Jesus, I will not stop praying. Because heaven is supposed to be experienced here on earth. That's what prayer does. And that's what Jesus did. He allowed broken people to experience a perfect heaven on earth through relationship with him. So every time he walked away to pray with his father and live out Matthew 6 was an opportunity for him to come back to his senses so that he can go right back out to the world and find the leper on the street and the prostitute that was an outcast, the woman who was neglected at the well, the woman who couldn't stop bleeding, his friend that was dead. Jesus left moments of prayer so that he could bring the power of God here on earth. If we lived with that kind of lifestyle, if we lived out Matthew 6 as individuals in a dark and broken world where we are seeing mass shootings left and right, hurting and broken people taking their lives, all of the unrest in our world, this nation and in this state and in our own souls, like if we lived with that kind of conviction I need to pray like this and live like this. We could actually see and witness the power of God displayed through the people of God, through the power of prayer, as Jesus had said would happen. Where are we in this gift of prayer? To be super honest, I think it's the best kept secret in the church today. We do all of these things, in the, and I, I'm, a, I'm all about doing things for God. But there's this like hidden gift of prayer that maybe, if I can be super honest, at least with myself, I've tapped into maybe 15% of that in my lifetime. And I have 85 more percent to figure out here on earth before I go to heaven myself. Who are the people God is asking you to pray for right now? What are the provisions that you're believing for, for yourself and for others? Yeah, pray them, pray for them. But ultimately, it has to come from the right posture and pattern. Amen?
Hope you guys can hear my passion tonight. We hear messages about prayer, and we think it's going to be like super like, ooh, power of prayer. No, uncle, it's okay. Thank you, though. <laughs> Last week, we talked about preaching to the audience of one, right? And it's okay. Thank you. Thank you, Uncle Edwin. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, where are we today? Can we allow heaven to be seen and witnessed here on earth by being people of prayer? Amen? Last point in your notes. There is a promise to prayer. Everyone say promise. Prayer reminds us of God's grace and who we are becoming because of it. Verse 14 to 15. This is after the Lord's Prayer, by the way. So this is like the PS of this particular scripture. So Jesus gives a PS, a postscript, and he says this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Again, I was like kind of mind blown, like, why would Jesus, like, highlight this specific thing? Like, it's in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me of my sins and forgive the sins of those that have sinned against me. Like, it's in there. Like, of all the things that Jesus could have, like, gone back to, go to a quiet place, like, don't babble, you know, like, bread. You know, like, there's a lot of things that Jesus could have gone back to. But he sits on this last postscript to the believers or the disciples at the time. After you set the posture of prayer... After you set the pattern of prayer, there is a promise of prayer that we also need to understand. And it comes with this connection to forgiveness. It's like the power of prayer can't happen if we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts and our souls. And the reason why is because forgiveness is everything that we've been given from Jesus. Everything that we've been given from God. And if we could ever expect God to do something in and through our life for ourselves or for others, how can that come separate from this responsibility that we should all have to search our souls and ask God, who are we harboring unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment for? Who do we need to forgive? And like, I was kind of like, well, why? Like, why? Like, why would that be the postscript, Jesus, to this whole teaching on prayer? And then he reminded me of Luke 23, 34. And this is a powerful moment in the Gospels that account of Jesus' last few moments on earth while he was on the cross. And if you don't know what Luke 23, 34 says, I don't think it's in your notes. But Luke 23, 34 goes like this. This is Jesus hanging on a cross and he says this. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Say it one more time. Jesus on the cross, right before he dies for our sins, he has one final conversation with his dad. We can liken it to prayer. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Remember how I said earlier that Jesus wasn't only teaching how to pray, but he was giving them an example of how he was going to live out that prayer live out that posture, live out that pattern, it was because he was called and he was committed to live out that promise to bring forgiveness to the world. And every time Jesus went to prayer, it was like him reminding himself that that moment's going to come. 
And when that moment comes, these moments of silence before God in prayer will cultivate this willingness to complete what needed to be completed so that we could pray to God. We're going to have a real clip, a quick video of that moment, and then we're going to wrap up this time with some worship and prayer. Take a look. got some praise. Going back to verses 14 and 15. This is Jesus' words, closing up and wrapping up how to pray. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. I just checked that out. Jesus emphasizes that the most important thing about prayer is remembering that we should not have a spirit of forgiveness in our hearts. He gives us an example of how to pray and he highlights this because that was everything he stood for for us. See, this thing about prayer is it's not just things that we do, it's who we become. Like when we choose to quiet the world and quiet our soul, when we choose to find the right pattern, follow the pattern of prayer, with God, when we choose to remember the promise of salvation and eternal life, what that does is it gives us direction on who we become on this side of eternity. Separating ourselves from this intimate time with God through prayer will make us like anyone else in this world. Yet the only thing that can transcend this world and change this world are people that aren't of this world, that live with a different kind of mindset. With that kind of mindset, 
that even at the very end, if it required forgiveness to bring salvation to this world, then Jesus would do it because he saw us on the other side of it. He saw every single one of us on the other side of it. He saw the brokenness that we were going through on the other side of it. And he embodied a prayer and a lifestyle of who he was becoming so that we could become who he called us to become. Sons and daughters of the Most High. Your last passage tonight as we bring things to a close. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. In terms of who we become when we live a lifestyle of prayer and follow Jesus. Do me a favor, close your eyes. And let this word give us perspective before we go back into worship. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. With all heads bowed and eyes, continue to be close. With that framework in mind, can we read the Lord's Prayer together? We are ambassadors of reconciliation, sent to this world to live like Jesus did, and we can do it through prayer. Please repeat after me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One more time before we receive communion. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil actually before we receive communion we're going to worship so right where you are before you stand can we seal this time in prayer lord when we are convinced and convicted that the posture and the pattern and the promise of prayer is significant to us because you taught it to your disciples and it has meaning 2,000 years later, Lord, there is an elevation of faith that you want to provide your people today. 
There is a joy that you want us to experience. There is a hope that you want us to have. There is a passion that nothing else in this world can take away when we understand that hallowed be your name is simply us recognizing that your name is made holy. Lord, we thank you that this wasn't just a prayer that you gave your disciples and that you sent them off. This was a prayer that you lived all the way to your death. Lord Jesus on the cross, you asked us to forgive so that you could see and witness a heart of people that was like yours. So as we go into this time of worship, as we begin to stand, I pray that we would fall back in love with our Father, that we would fall back in love with our God, that we would quiet the noise of the world, that we would quiet the noise of our soul, and we would simply be with a God who wants to remind us that we are forgiven men and women and breakthrough is right around the corner because you are a holy, holy God. We worship you tonight because you are worthy of it. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing a little bit and receive communion. Let's go.